0: Monique lost her mom unexpectedly to pancreatic cancer in 2020. Since Monique's mom has passed, she's found ways to let Monique know she's still with her. Every time Monique is facing a difficult decision, her mom visits her in a dream. This is the closest thing to a feel-good grief story that I've heard. Monique was just a breath of fresh air, and the relationship she shared with her mom is so special. Thanks for sharing your story, Monique. Hi, this is Beth, and welcome back to the Daughters Without Moms podcast. We're glad you're here. Tonight, I have with me Monique, and I'm just slightly jealous that she's in Georgia, where it's nice and warm, and I'm sitting up here in just north of Philadelphia, where it's not nice and warm. Um, so she is going to share her story today. She is a daughter without mom, ma- without a mom, unfortunately, um, but has feel, felt led to come and share her story with us today. So. I'm going to turn the microphone over to her and let her introduce herself and then tell us her story, and then I will be back um, with some questions at the end when she's done sharing. So thanks so much for being here, Monique. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much for having me. Um, This has been, I've been thinking about this all week. I'm super excited. Um, So I'll just jump right in. Um, So the person I refer to as my birth mother is, I'm sorry, the person I refer to as my mother is actually my maternal grandmother. Uh, My birth mother wasn't ready to be a mom. My grandmother took me home from the hospital and it's been us um, since the beginning. So for that, I know everybody feels like their mom is the best, but I feel like my mom is a little more special because she chose me. (laughs) So that, that has always been a a major factor in my life. So I was born in New York and we moved to the Metro Atlanta area when I was four years old. And it was just me and my mom Um, growing up, just me and my mom. I lived at home. I went to college in Georgia. So I came home pretty much every weekend. Um, And I didn't even move away from home until I was 28 years old. I moved to Alabama for work. And that was a tough period. I had never really lived alone. And again, it was my first extended time being away from my mom. And that Thanksgiving, she came, she loaded up her car with a Thanksgiving feast and came to visit me in Alabama. She got on the road. I had to go find her at one point in Alabama, but she got as far as she could and she. Came and we had a good Thanksgiving and then she came back for Christmas, um, loaded the car up with presents and I ended up moving back home to Georgia and I bought a house in Georgia with the mindset, okay, it's me and my mom. So my mom was older, so the master bedroom was on the main floor. My living area was upstairs and there was even like a little loft living room area. So we had our own separate spaces, but again, me and my mom. Um, but in 2017, work took me to Nashville, so I moved to Nashville. Nashville was four hours from Georgia, so whenever we wanted to see each other, I would go get her. I didn't have her drive um, that distance, and we still spent, I still went and got my mom every holiday, and in Nashville, um, I took her to her first concert in her 70s. We went to go see Anita Baker, and that is one of my probably one of my top 10 memories of my mom. Uh, She was so excited. We had like third row seats and she just kept going on and on about how excited she was to see one of her favorite artists. And so one of my uh, favorite pictures whenever I feel like posting my mom is from that concert. Uh, um, And after Nashville work took me to Birmingham, um, which was probably two hours away from Atlanta. So we were a little closer. And then in 2019, my mom, she called me one morning and said, if you need me, don't text me. I can't see, call me. I said, well, what do you mean you can't see? She said, I don't know. I woke up, my vision's blurry. I said, okay, well, if your vision's still blurry in the morning, I'm gonna call out of work. I'm gonna come down and take you to the eye doctor. Um, next morning, she still couldn't see, so took her to the eye doctor. Eye doctor was like, I think something else is going on here. We're further out for, um, I can't remember the type of exam. But anyway, it could be done in Alabama. So, because the place he referred her to was a chain, so she came to Alabama with me. We got the exam. She had a a stroke. <laughs> we had no idea. Thought something was wrong with her eyes. She had a stroke. So I was like, "All right, mommy, that's fine. Come stay with me for a while. Let's see what happens with your vision. You can't drive." Um, so I was in a one bedroom apartment. So I gave her my room. I would sleep in the living room. She was like, "Monique, I can go home. It's fine." No, no, <laughs> And so, when my lease was up in February, we moved into a two bedroom apartment, came to Georgia, got all our stuff out, and I was getting ready um to sell my house in Georgia. Pandemic hit fast forward a month later, pandemic hit, so I'm like, hmm. call my mortgage company. they're like, "Okay, let's see what happens in six months. Don't pay your mortgage for six months, and let's kind of see what happens." I'm like, okay and when the pandemic hit, work shut down. I was working for a movie theater. So of course we weren't open. And up until that point, I was a workaholic. Um, I don't know what a 40 hour work week was. It was typically 50 to 65 to I'm sorry, six to seven days a week. Um, so being forced to sit down ended up being a blessing. Um, me and my mom, we used to do, um, self-care Sundays we would give each other pedicures and facials on Sundays uh, for Easter I made this formal dinner for her and sent her an email invite told her to come to the living room in her Sunday's best and we had a good Easter Sunday dinner and we would binge watch t- all types of crazy television shows during the shutdown and I had um, a Nintendo week so we would work out and so she got to where um you know she was working out daily on the Wii, and so um I went back to work and the first part of work when we opened was just getting the building ready to open and my mom was still working out and everything and then when we um when work actually opened for the public I couldn't believe how many people were coming to the movies and I said to myself if I get COVID and give it to my mother, she's probably not going to make it. She was um, at 80 at that point, she actually just turned 80. We did a little birthday party in the living room for that. Um, she had high blood pressure. She had just had this stroke. So I was really, really worried. So I called her and I said, I think I want to leave my job. I said, we can go back to Georgia, still have the house. You know, I have some money saved. How do you feel? And she said, if that's what you, she said, you can leave right now. Um, if that's what you want to do, I support you. We'll figure it out. I couldn't leave just then because that's just not in my, uh, <laughs> my work ethic wouldn't let me do that. So I did give a proper two week notice. Um, and so September 1st was my last day at work. So not working, I'm packing up our apartment to prepare to move us back to Georgia. And I noticed my mom wasn't eating. And I said, well, what's going on? She was like, I don't have an appetite.
0: I was like, okay,
1: that's fine. Well, if you don't, I said, if you haven't eaten anything by the end of this week, we'll call your doctor. She said, okay. And I noticed she was sleeping a lot. And I was like, okay, something's going on. So we go to her doctor. Nope, rewind. Her doctor's appointment was September 18th. Um, and so we were going to get on the road September 17th, spend the night in Georgia and take her to her doctor because her doctor was in Georgia. So September 17th, I wake up, I go into her room. I'm like, all right, let's start getting ready. And she said, I need you to go get me a wheelchair. And I said, well, what do you mean? She said, I got up to the, go to the bathroom and I just got really winded. I said, okay, go to Walmart, get a wheelchair, get home. It's missing a wheel. (laughs) So I'm like, okay, go to a different Walmart, get a wheelchair, get it all assembled, get her into the wheelchair, praying I don't flip her over on the way out the apartment. (laughs) Luckily, it's a one-story apartment. I mean, we were on the first floor, but it wasn't accessible. So, you know, there were little bumps and things getting to the car. Um, Get her home to Georgia, um, you know, wash her up. We get ready for a doctor's appointment, load her up in the car that morning, we get her into um, her doctor's office and her doctor was like, why are you in a wheelchair? She was like, I can't. She said, I can't walk far. I get winded. She was like, you lost a lot of weight. And I noticed my mom had lost a lot of weight, but I thought it was because we were working out. I was like, yes, we're, we're getting it. We're doing good. Um, And her blood pressure was really low, which is odd because my mother had high blood pressure, was on blood pressure medication. So the doctor initially said, don't take your medicine this weekend. Drink a lot of fluids, drink um, Ensure, and let's see how you're doing Tuesday. And she kept looking at my mom and she said, you know what? I'm going to have you go to the hospital. Her doctor's office was uh, connected to a hospital. So she told me the hospital has to keep her for four hours to charge her. She was like, so maybe take a nap. Don't go too far. They'll send her home. They probably just want to get her some fluids. So I said, okay. Okay. So we wheel over to the hospital and it's September, 2020. So the hospital is not allowing visitors. Um, So I go, um, I go sit in the car and I'm like, okay, well, let me go get something to eat. My mom called me. She's like, yeah, they're giving me fluids. They want to keep me overnight to see what happens. I said, okay. I said, well, let me go to Target and get you some stuff. So I go to Target, get her some pajamas, a book, take it to her. I go to the house in Georgia. There's nothing in the house. So I had to go buy a blow-up mattress. Um, And I had brought a TV here. So I went and bought an antenna so I could watch some TV. Um, And then that next morning, I called my mom I'm like, how you doing? She said, I'm good. They told me I have cancer. I said, who told you you have cancer? Because I had just talked to a nurse. And she said, the doctor just came in. I said, all right, girl, I'm gonna call you back. <laughs> so I called the nurse. I'm like, my mom says she has cancer. She's like, what? Let me find the doctor. I'll call you back. So I'm like, okay. So the doctor calls me back and he's, um, she, she, excuse me, was like, well, we see cancer. I w- I can't figure out the source. She said, I want to check the uterus first, but I'm having a hard time finding the hospital bed with the stirrups. She was like, we're not a labor and delivery hospital. So they're not just laying around. I'm like, oh, okay. <laughs> um, So later on that week, um, they figure out it's not uterine cancer. And I'm talking to my mom every day. And she sounds like she's in good spirits. Um, And she just keeps saying, I want to go home. (laughs) And I'm like, all right, well, just listen to your doctors. We'll get you home soon enough. And in the midst of all this, I'm trying to move from Birmingham to Alabama. So I'm literally every other day driving to Birmingham to bring stuff here, driving back to Atlanta. And the movers are set to come september 30th so september 29th um they finally figure out the doctor calls me like it's stage four pancreatic cancer so i'm like okay and he was like you know stage four is usually when they find pancreatic cancer because of where it's located in the body there's no cure let's talk about hospice options So an oncologist calls me to talk about hospice care and um, if I want to do it at home um, and that sort of thing. So I'm like, yeah, we can do it at home. Um, You know, let's, what are my options? And then something said, well, can I see her now? (laughs) It's stage four pancreatic cancer. Can I see her? The doctor said, I actually think that would be a really good idea. Let me call you back. So that was at like 12 o'clock in the afternoon, five o'clock hits. I don't hear anything. The nurse calls me at about six and it's like, yeah, we got it set up so you can come tomorrow. I said, is there any way I could come tonight? Um, because as you know, I'm we're in the process of moving from Birmingham and my movers are coming tomorrow. I really want to see her today. So she's like, okay, well, let me see. So she finally calls me back at nine and tells me to come on. <laughs> so I get to the hospital. And I'm probably about to cry. As soon as I see my mom, I know she doesn't have long. And the first thing out of her mouth, she said, I love you so much. I love you too. And she said, are you going to stay with me? I said, I'm going to stay with you. I said, (laughs) I said, the movers are coming tomorrow. Do you want me to cancel it? She said, no. I said, are you going to be here when I get back? She said, I'll be here. So I sat there that night and she was tossing and turning and she, she kept calling her mother's name. And I was like, okay, yeah, this is, this is it. Um, I have not been asleep. I'm like, let me go. The movers are coming at nine. So I get on the road to Birmingham, drive that two hours. They get everything. I'm driving back to Georgia. The oncologist calls me and is like, Hey, you know, I know we talked about hospice, but I would be very surprised if your mom made it into the weekend. She's just, it's just a very rapid decline. So I said, okay. I said, I'm, I'm on the way. So I called my best friend's mom and she met me at my house to let the movers in. And she's like, where does the stuff go? I'm like, just get it in the house. I don't even care at this point. So I go to the hospital and I call my aunt and um, my aunt lives in Minneapolis and my aunt is my mother's child and i'm like you know they're saying mommy um only has 72 hours to live so she hops on a plane in the middle of this pandemic and i'm terrified because she actually had a lung cancer scare um earlier that year where uh, she had some of her lung removed and they um they were able to get it all thank goodness and she wasn't a smoker or anything like that so her lung cancer diagnosis was a shock um but she gets on a plane um And comes down and we're sitting there and while actually no before she got there, I I just start crying. And I'm the crybaby of the family. I cry about everything. If I'm watching Grey's Anatomy, I'm going (laughs) to cry. And my mom is the total opposite. She would look at me and be like, why are you crying? This is a television show. (laughs) Um, And we're both Leo. So I don't I don't know where I got that from, but I'm crying in the hospital room and she hadn't said a word to me all day. She looked at me, she said, "No, I said, "All right, let me gather myself so then my aunt comes in and she breaks down and cries, and my mom is like, "No, <laughs> um, so we're sitting there, and i um I start playing Anita Baker, and she said, "I like her I'm like all right, I said, "I know, so we're just gonna sit here and listen to it and so that was Wednesday night the um the 30th September 30th so October 1st wake up and I'm like she I knew that that was probably the day because when I woke up her breathing was not the same Um, it was more intensive and the nurse came in and she was like well I'm gonna take her off the oxygen she said she could still breathe and I'm just gonna give her um, I can't remember the medicine to help her with her pain so she was coming in every hour or so, checking on her. And I just kept, um, you know, talking to my mom. I know she wanted to tell me to shut up because I just kept talking and kept talking. Um, and at 2.45, the doc, the nurse came in and she was talking to her. And my mom was just, she was just heavy breathing. Um, And I grabbed her hand when the nurse uh, got through doing whatever and she was giving her another round of medicine. And I said it's okay, and she squeezed my hand, and she took her last breath. Um, and so I was thankful that I got to be there with my mom when she passed. And I know without a doubt that she loved me, and I loved her. And a couple of weeks after that, I um, I was streaming church, and the pastor said. When someone tells you something on their deathbed, believe them, because what do they have to lose? And all I could think about was how, when I walked into that hospital room, she just her face lit up, and she said, "I love you so much." And I, I, I just had my little, you know, breakdown. And uh, my mom was very adamant. Uh, I always knew my mom didn't want a funeral. She wanted to be cremated, and that was it. Um, And for selfish reasons, I'm kind of thankful. I'm kind of thankful for that. So, you know, when she passed, we called the funeral home. Um, They came and got her. We went to the funeral home that next day, me, my aunt, and my best friend's mom. Uh, And it was just kind of surreal having to to know that this, i was making the final arrangements you know for my mom and trying to figure out you know what earn and all of that and so the urn i selected was on back order <laughs> i was upset for a second then i was like well she'll be with you forever it's it's fine in the grand scheme of things um don't settle for something that you don't want um there's no rush So I think I had my first breakdown at the funeral home. Um, I I was, of course, sad the day she passed, but I I just felt it coming. But being at that funeral home really, really just kind of solidified it. Um, And then being in the midst of the pandemic with it being so much unknown, I was still very scared. And so all my friends were like, oh, well, do you need this? Do you need this? And I'm kind of shutting myself away um for fear of making someone sick because I've been in a hospital or you know someone making me sick and I don't want to be sick and grieving (laughs) um so my friends my support system they were super um super supportive um of everything and then um, when I got the call that my mom was ready I drove to I went to go pick her up by myself and I just drove around kind of where where I grew up where we used to live and it hit me I feel like while we may not have known you know that she had cancer um I feel like my mom knew her time was nearing because she would say things like you know I'm not gonna be here forever um or when we were had started to pack up to move back to Georgia she was like you know when I die, make sure you keep this. This was my grandmother's blanket. Make sure you keep this. And I'm like, okay, girl, but we don't have to talk about this right now. Um, we're about to to go home and I'm not going to work for a couple of months and we could spend the holidays because again, I worked at a movie theater, so I worked most holidays. I said, this could be, you know, our first holiday period where we're, it's just us. And so that first holiday period was tough because my mom passed October 1st, um, and then boom, (laughs) holiday season, um, so I just, Thanksgiving, I cooked, Christmas, I cooked, I felt my feels, um, and for Thanksgiving, she usually cooked, but I cooked the traditional Thanksgiving food, and then for Christmas, I usually cooked, I usually cooked seafood, so I did that, um, And since she's passed, so I started working again, um, January 2021. And at every step of that journey, my mother has let me know she's been with me. Um, Because when I first interviewed for my job, um, the the interviewer was asking me why, what was, you know, asked me to explain the gap. And so I let him know, you know, the pandemic and then, um, you know, my mom passed and I just wanted to to take some time, but I said, my mom passed a pancreatic cancer. And he was like, my mother-in-law passed a pancreatic cancer. Um, and I was like, okay. Um, and then when I got the call, I said, okay, maybe my mommy was looking out for me. And then, um, I was up for a promotion, um, in September of 2021, And the night before my interview, my mom was in my dream and she looked so good. And she was like, everything's okay. Okay. I interviewed, got the job. With that, uh, and with that supervisor, we bonded over the fact that we were both raised by our maternal grandmothers. May 2022, I'm up for another promotion. Night before the interview, my mom comes to me looking good again. And she said, you got it. I said, okay. I get the job. And with this new leader, I was, she was um, telling me about when I would start. And I said, I don't know what's telling me to tell you this. I said, um, because I started working for a call center. I said, my mom was a call center supervisor uh, my whole life. And when I started on this new work uh, journey, that was kind of my goal. I said, and to be here so quickly is surreal you know, thank you for the opportunity. I said, my mom passed in October of 2020 from pancreatic cancer. And she was like, my mom passed from pancreatic cancer. (laughs) And I'm like, okay. (laughs) Every birthday I've had since she's gone, she has visited me in my dreams on my birthday. She always looks good. And this past birthday, she actually visited me twice. She visited me on the night before my birthday, my dream, I was at Target. And she was at Target with me. And she said, what are you doing here? I said, well, I'm shopping. Let's shop together. And we went shopping in Target. And she said, I have to go now, but you'll be okay. I said, okay. And I said, do you have to go? She said, I have to go. And then that next night she was in my dream. She said, I forgot to do something. And she gave me a big old kiss. And she said, I got to go now for real. (laughs) Um, But anytime I'm having a rough day, that lady finds a way to let me know. i'm okay and i'm i'm not alone um and i started um grief counseling towards the end of last year and i just was talking to my counselor and she was like you know you're okay (laughs) you really are okay so she put me on an as needed basis (laughs) um but i'm thankful for you know my grief counselor i'm thank i'm thankful for my friends who have just been so supportive through um throughout this whole or, never-ending ordeal. Um, and I'm thankful that that my little, I call her my little apple-headed lady. I'm thankful that my little apple-headed lady, you know, she comes and visits me and she lets me know, you know, you're okay. And everything is going, everything's going to be okay.
0: Well, I, I love that she came back in her dream to finish that she didn't get to give you a hug. <clears throat> Like that's, that's pretty, that's pretty remarkable. Like to have a continuation of a dream the next night. I mean, I'm not a dream expert or anything, but that's some, (laughs) that's some pretty intense stuff. Um, that you're, you're manifesting, you know, this return of your mom in your dreams i think that's just for it to happen so consistently and on your dreams and i mean on your birthdays and before your promotions like like you said every time you need her she shows up did did you talk to your grief counselor about that before you're actually the first one that i have really um heard this from so i'm fascinated
1: Fascinated. (laughs) I (laughs) i did um and she was just saying you know that's just your mom being with you um and let you know that, you know, while she's not there with you physically, she's always, you know, going to be with you.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I'm thankful wow. and my, my aunt is jealous because she hasn't visited my aunt yet. <laughs> <laughs>
0: mm-hmm. <Yeah. laughs> it, it has to have something to do with like the openness of your mind too. And, and probably that soundness that you, that, that you have, um, and that your mom loved you so much, you know, um, like she told you when you walked into the hospital, so there's got to be other, you know, factors that, that play into it. But yeah, I had to admit, I'm a little jealous too. Like, that sounds amazing. Um, like, you know, waking up with a warm hug from having a visit from your mom during the night. That's. Yeah. It was, it
1: was, it was so weird. Like I woke up crying
0: <laughs>
1: because it just felt so real and then I was like she you know she's still with you you can still talk to her and when when you need her she'll she'll be there and when you need advice why you can't call her you know what she's gonna say (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah I find peace with that
0: wow wow that's I really really like that I mean and I don't know. I think I'm like 100 episodes in. And like I said, I really haven't heard anybody um, describe anything like that before. It seems seems um, pretty unique. I think that that's I think that that's uh, amazing. Um, I also love we spoke about this before we start recording, but just that um, you had some quality time with her, you know, with the pandemic and the self-care Sundays. I love that. (laughs) I love that. Um, And even though, so I'm assuming then that she was older, if she was technically, she was your maternal grandmother, right? So she was your mom's mom. Okay. Um, But you actually sound a lot like sisters.
1: (laughs) You know, it's funny when, I never thought about it like this, but when she passed, one of my friends from college, she said, I know how close you and your mother were. And I know that while she was your mother, that was your friend. And I had never thought about it like that. She was like, you lost a mother and a friend. And I was like, you're right. (laughs) You are absolutely right. Um, And I had never thought of my mom as my friend. (laughs) until she passed because you know a lot of times mothers will even say I'm not one of your little friends (laughs) but as you become an adult um for sure that friendship was definitely definitely there
0: yeah yeah I was going to use the word like soul companion like you just you're the thing that you said about I'm sending her an email to invite her to the Thanksgiving dinner and stuff like I mean that's just really that's just really um cute and connecting and you know that's on a, a deeper level of of personal connection that you know I think a lot of times people who live in the same household don't don't have that kind of um <clears throat> intentionality to think about you know doing something like that <laughs> yeah sound really amazing um and I the other thing I mean I have heard about this before but that I am fascinated with too is that um you know you told her it was okay and she took her last breath I pray that God gives me that kind of ability when it's my time
1: I agree because a lot of times we get caught up with wanting the person to be there for you um but they're suffering um and of course if I could have kept my mother longer I would have but I also didn't want her to suffer and be in pain um or to think that she had to try to fight for me um because I feel like if I had said I need you she would have tried her best (laughs) (laughs) I could be wrong she could have been like girl you're on your own (laughs) (laughs) I'm out (laughs) yes (laughs) um but I wanted her to know you know I'll be okay I'll be Mm. okay I know you know, in the in the perfect world, parents go before their kids. Um, and you know, I wish I could could have kept her longer, um, but I'm glad I I had her as long as I did. She sacrificed a lot for me, um, so I'm I'm glad I had her as long as I did, and I'm glad I'm just so appreciative that I got to be there with her, and she didn't have to to pass alone.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, Yeah, yeah. seems like a really um, special relationship. And, you know, maybe that's how it's allowing to be able to continue even though she's physically not here anymore that she's finding ways to be with you and you're finding ways to be able to, you know, see her still because you had such a special connection. Um, Yeah, really, really like that. (laughs) So you said you started grief counseling at the end of 2022? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. And she already told you that you can come on yes, and ask you me. Know,
1: Just as you need, maybe around holidays or if you're feeling particularly griefy. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> That's fine. Wow. Um, but I really like her. Um, and I'm glad I I started, um, started the grief counseling. And she had me, one of the activities she had me do was to write down uh, what stage of grief I was in each day. Um, And so, because when we met up again, because it varied, so I think helped her to put me on the as needed basis, because she was saying a lot of times people can get stuck in angry or denial um, and need to work through that. But I mean, literally every day was a different a different feeling some days I can look at my mom's picture and be okay I'll look at that same picture the next day and be a big old ball of emotion (laughs) but I've learned when those moments when those moments hit feel your feels Mm -hmm. give yourself the time to to feel whatever you're feeling gather yourself and go on with the day if you can um Mm -hmm. but I try to to be intentional with um acknowledging
0: my feelings in the moment well i think that that's half the battle because when we don't acknowledge it we just stuff it down or ignore it um it's going to come back eventually and usually it's not not going to be pretty when it does (laughs) um and it becomes harder you know when you become and you've developed a habit of ignoring it and and um stuffing your feelings down then that seems easier it Mm -hmm. seems easier to ignore um but it's not it's not in the long run so um so I usually share a picture we know when we release this podcast and maybe you'd be willing to share the picture of you guys at the Anita Baker at the Anita Baker concert I sure can (laughs) great I would love to see that I'd love to see that so you did just kind of, you know, give a little bit of advice, but I usually finish each podcast with if there's a something final you want to say or share with the listeners today before we wrap up.
1: Um, just circling back to what I said, feel your feels um, and don't apologize for it. <laughs> That's something I've learned. If you want to cry, cry. <laughs> if you want to scream, scream. If you want to, to sit in silence, do that and don't be apologetic about it
0: your grief journey is, is just that. Yep. I wholeheartedly agree. And sometimes it's two steps backward and one step forward. And, um, but it is a journey with hills and valleys and storms and sunshine and all, all the above. So yeah. Well, thank you, Monique, for being here. Uh, I really you. appreciate, yeah, you are just a ray of sunshine. Like I've never um, I, I really am just it's, I'm so thrilled with this whole dream thing. I'm going to look into it a little bit because I've never heard it before. So I may have to reach back out to you for some more information. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you. If you'd like more information on my thoughts about the grief journey, please visit my website, www.yourgriefjourney.com. If you'd be interested in sharing your story on the podcast, please send me an email to daughterswithoutmoms at gmail.com.